we've then also looked at how to make places look different uh, and to create an environment that is appropriate for that. This is That Marketing Podcast. Made by marketers for marketers. Welcome to another episode of That Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Spotlight UK. In this episode, we're joined by Mark Meadowcroft, owner of Signs Express Northampton. Signage and vehicle branding is clearly a part of marketing, but one that's neglected by most marketing training courses. So we wanted to explore the nuts and bolts, including literally, of putting up signs for your business. I hope you enjoy listening and happy marketing. Well, Mark, first of all, thank you very much for being on the podcast today as part of our season looking into different industries and how they how they approach marketing. Thank you very much and delighted to be here. Yeah. Now, I know signage is one of those things that, um, like, it's it's a really obvious part of marketing and of getting the brand out there, both sort of visually, but it's not something that's on, on any particular marketing course. So I, I was... I want to understand first of all before we talk into how about how marketing from your perspective has changed sort of what what was the existing process where do you go where do you even start when you've got a business right i need to i need an office sign or i need a vehicle sign to to, to tell people where i am yeah I mean, i'm always reminded of a story about our auditor and i went there to sign off the annual accounts and i was speaking to the audit partner we worked with and uh, I pointed out that the sign outside the door that all their customers and prospects go past and see was rusted and just ancient and didn't look very good. And he said, you know what, you're right. And I've walked past it for years and I've never noticed it. It looks awful. And it's the sort of thing that for a few hundred pounds you get sorted out. And he rightly said the difficulty is with our business and with so many others, we would spend thousands and thousands of pounds on a webinar on this that and the other which was pretty speculative and then there's real pushback to spending 700 quid making our brand look right for the people who are about to come in and buy and that's something that we all see because it's always natural and it's because unless you look at it with a fresh pair of eyes you don't see it because that's human nature Sure. So, um, yeah, you, you're going kind of, it's something that comes with the brand. If, you, if a brand doesn't have a sign at all, you think, well, they're, they're not established yet. But then you never kind of see them. You know, like there's either brands that have suddenly popped up or they've always been there. There's not a, I suppose when you're not, when you're a pundit, you don't see the, the process that goes into it. You just, you only see the end result. It's not something that people would think about um, yeah. developing. <laughs> That moves us on to the next stage of this, which is how on earth do you buy this? I think part of the reason is that this is something that has never been on a a marketing training course ever. (laughs) How do we buy this? Uh, People just don't. Why should they? And uh, very often we hear from people who admit that they've got no idea how how to buy this. Uh, Why should they? And I think there are some useful thoughts that I would have for just basic ideas. Number one, you're going to go to a few sign companies and find out you're going to test the market. Of course you are. What happens is the sign companies blind you with science uh, and that you come back with a load of quotations and you immediately think, well, what does this actually mean? 
And just the most basic thing, if you come back with a load of prices and somebody is three times the price of somebody else, it is almost certainly that you are comparing with ap apples with something that isn't apples. And you've then got to think, well, <laughs> what sort of apple am I getting? And there are things that you can do immediately. And I, and I can always say to the, the site companies that are very, very basic. You can obviously look at their website. You can talk to them, get them to explain it. And that might sort of work. But the best thing of all I would say is, can you tell me something like what we're going to get that is up at the moment? And they should be able to give you three things. And particularly for an exterior sign, you should be able to drive over there, have a look at it and decide whether you like it or not. And that is such a basic thing to do. And I would really recommend it. Go and say, give me an example of something that is on my way home or round the corner or something like that that we we can see and then of course because it's there it's public there's no difficulty and you can even if you're really interested knock on that door of that company and say what were these guys like did they fit it safely has it fallen down three times already how many years has it been up you can look at the quality of the print how many years has it been there it's just a, a basic thing. I really would recommend that. Fair enough. The other thing you might get, I suppose, if there's a, a huge difference in prices, you know, what, obviously what you're getting can be very, very different. Is is new product development a thing within signage or are all signs pretty much much of a muchness? Yeah, th there is a, uh, a massive thing of, of, of stuff coming out all the time, but very often it, it, things look quite... Uh, uh, retro and th th there's a, a, a big uh, uh, thing that's been going on for a long time to make things look old-fashioned to make things look distressed mm -hmm. and of course I'm sure that we all know well enough we're all professionals listening to this that uh, they're, they're not really distressed <laughs> and there are very clever ways of making them look like that uh, and so that sort of thing happens but as in all of these things you've got to think what do you want to achieve and this is on signage and also on vehicle graphics, which is another key prop to our business. Sometimes if you've just got an industrial unit, you need something that people are going to see when they're coming in. And it is smart and clear. And it may be quite high up in the air because you've got delivery drivers in lorries coming there. So something needs to be quite high up or else they won't see it because they're quite high up. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you then might be in a retail environment and you need something else in retail of course very often less is more but i don't really need to say that's that's a really basic thing that i'm sure uh if you're listening to this you, you you get and then we get the thing about does this signage need to be lit or not uh and again a staggeringly obvious point it rather depends if you're a nighttime business <laughs> do yeah. you need a lit sign if you're open monday to friday nine to five Yes, you might get an advantage in December or January for an hour at the end of the day, but that might be it. And equally, if you have a nightclub, then you're going to need a lit sign. Uh, <laughs> but then you've got to think after, where is the electricity that's going to go into this sign? Do we have a spur? Very often, we're working with an electrician to make this happen. And all of those sorts of things are things that you need to be thinking about what is the right thing for our business because we can do anything and there's no right or wrong in these things it's what's appropriate for the business and finally i would say 
and the other thing that the real lockdown learning we've had as a, 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 a supplier of these sorts of things is that Microsoft Teams is your friend on this because as the marketing expert, you've then got the issue of what does the sign look like? And you've got various stakeholders in the business who, of course, all have an opinion. Yeah. And you can either go around an enormous email chain <laughs> saying, do you like this? Do you like this? Do you like this? Do you like yeah. this? Quite frankly, after a while, everybody's losing the will to live. Or we simply book a Microsoft Teams meeting. We share your screen. We make the artwork changes. And if your CEO, your marketing director or whatever wants to have an opinion, you simply say you can join the, the Microsoft Teams meeting. If not, then, you know, you've had your opportunity. And I, I really would recommend that. And I think it's a, a, a great way of taking a lot of the aggro out of deciding what this thing's going to look like. Yeah, I think sort of this is your comment period and starts here, closes here, done. Yeah, I, that's not confined to society. I think that's, that is a good learning for everyone in any marketing team, which is hopefully quite, which is hopefully who's listening to, to this at the moment. And I'm, I'm happy you've got to pull it onto, onto lockdown learning because one of the things I was thinking about sort of prepping for this um, interview was the role of um, physical offices is obviously still there's companies coming down hard on the we were going back to the office there's companies coming down hard on remote working forevermore how does that kind of play into it obviously we're, we're talking more about desk job businesses than the manufacturing units that can't move but how does that kind of change in the environment impact what people are wanting from signage or think they want or think they need I think there are a couple of things. Firstly, at a very traditional level, the uh, drivers of demand for our sector are when people move or change their business premises or when they change their fleet of vehicles. Uh, because if you move offices, you're likely to need a new sign or move your factory or your industrial units or, or, or whatever it is, you've bought, you know, 200,000 square foot of warehousing space right by the motorway, you're going to need a big sign facing over the motorway with your brand and that's the sort of uh, moment that you come to a business like science express and indeed after this podcast i'm out to do a site survey which is exactly that the second point is how how are these places going to be reconfigured so you may stay in the same place and i think that's really interesting because it seems pretty obvious to me that we're going to move to some form of hybrid i i think the extremes of you never go into the office or we're going to be going back in five days a week are relatively unlikely to occur it's going to be a mixture of the two and offices are going to be places where we meet where we brainstorm where we do the things that we need to be together to do rather than the things that we don't need to be together to do and actually we might do more if we're in a quiet environment getting on with it at our own pace and therefore we are seeing examples for example of places being converted much more into meeting rooms and one of the things that we are seeing for example is we put across a whole wall now because signage is ultimately sticking stickers on surfaces that's what it is 
a whole wall, we put what we call a dry white laminate, which means that you can put a, a, a non-permanent marker pen on it. And so you basically have brainstorming sessions and you, across a wall. And so everybody comes in for a meeting and writes on the walls. That's, that, that, that's a very old technology applied to something a bit more modern. We've then also looked at how to make places look different uh, and to create an environment that is appropriate for that, because I think there are going to be relatively fewer people in rows of desks hunched over monitors and, and, and keyboards. That's probably going to, I'm not saying it's going to happen at all, but it's going to happen less. Uh, and therefore, we are seeing things that, that allow businesses to do that. And of course, carry on doing what we've been doing beforehand of making sure that not only is their corporate branding up, but also the messages that we need to give internally to our people as to who we are, what our values are, why we're doing something. So we've we've sort of, I think we've pretty much established that there are there's still going to be a big need for signs and that they're going to be different as we go forward. So as businesses are starting to sort of reconfigure their offices and then as you said, that's probably a stage where new sign come into being and hopefully from hopefully people listening to this will start going out and investigating the process a bit more. Have you got particular hints, tips, hacks, if you like, that are gonna gonna make that process easier for someone who's been charged with getting hold of signage for the office for the first time? Obviously, a completely self-serving level, I'd say speak to Science Express. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> that you've got to actually speak to a couple of suppliers and talk to them and find whoever you're comfortable with. And certainly I would say as part of the buying process, you've got to have an initial conversation about this is what we have, this is what we might want to achieve, what are the best ways of doing this? And from a marketing point of view, and I'm speaking here to marketing specialists i'd have thought you you guys would be much more interested in a business that could understand the objectives that you have in this procurement process rather than just say well it's uh, uh, four foot by two foot and it'll be 100 quid <laughs> so that, that's, that's not really helping you to get the outcome that you need because there are numerous ways that we can achieve the same thing. It's like buying a car. I mean, you can have a Hyundai, you can have a, a Lamborghini. Uh, both will get to the, you to the shops. One will get you around the Nürburgring rather faster. If you just need to go to the shops, you probably don't need to spend the extra money on the Lamborghini. But there might be an opportunity when you might do, or if you've decided you've just got um, uh, 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 two kids and you need to have baby seats in the bag, then possibly the Lamborghini isn't appropriate as well. You don't need the high end, I need something else. And all of those things are things that we can cover and help you with. And I would say a good proactive sign supplier could do, but you've got to have that discussion with them and possibly be open to saying what works and what doesn't, because believe me, 
there are occasions having done this for a while now and having come from a different sector previously what i have seen is i've seen a lot of people come with great ideas and they're often quite similar and i sort of know why they don't work and sometimes i have to say and it is one of the formulations that i use to customers is if you were a family member of mine and i was advising you this is what i would say and i think very often i have to say be it from us or somebody else that advice if they're able to give it and it's credible is often well worth taking to be honest so in that time sounds like a fairly good bit of advice for whatever you're buying make sure you've got a supplier that understands you i mean going the other way are there are there straightforward bits of jargon that everyone should know so when when so they don't feel sort of blinded by the the science the engineering side of things because market is probably more i'm gonna as a marketer i'm gonna feel happy saying that we're probably more creative than technical in, in the vast majority of cases so are there are there bits of sort of technical jargon that we should know that we can kind of watch out for as either red or green flags when you're kind of assessing a supplier there are so many of them to be honest with you but i'm going to give you two or three we've not i'm going to go on to vehicle graphics slightly uh, okay. um, in a moment as well which is a related field in terms of signage the first thing that you've got to ask is what is the substrate what is the thing this is made of and there are various things and they're, and they're all good and they've all got reasons why they're useful in a particular environment but equally you may not want to spend a lot of money on a really really rinky dink sign that says way out in a factory and there are relatively more cost effective things so you got to ask what the substrate is and get them to explain that to you equally if you've got a really flash office and you put up a sign that is the sort of thing you'd expect to see in a factory yeah it's the cheapest quote it's not what you were looking for i think that the other thing as well with stuff that anything that really goes in the ground that is you know where there, there's digging a that's more expensive and b slightly the bane of my life and the thing that marketing people are relatively less likely to be aware of is wind loadings and structural engineering you think oh i'd love to have some massive great thing up here but number one you may not get planning permission for it which is a separate issue but secondly you've got to think about the wind loading which is does it make a massive sail and fall over when the, it blows a gale and this is important because the sign the, the, the reputable sign makers first concern is is this safe and they are will be looking at the wind loading potentially which means what do you have to do to put stuff in the ground to make it stay there so if you want something really large yes you can have it but be prepared to spend a lot of money on stuff below the ground that you don't see <laughs> but yeah you can do it but you really really mustn't cut corners on that and ultimately the sign maker is almost certainly going to be telling you the truth there because they don't really want to do it themselves it's a right pain for them because what is below the ground is something that they're not really going to be able to boast about or it doesn't really show their value so if they're saying that they're they're not pulling your leg they really aren't and then on vehicles um the, the, the key thing there 
is that there are two types of vinyl you stick on a vehicle. And the first one is if it's a flat surface, which is fairly straightforward and relatively costs less. And the adhesive is fairly straightforward. Then if it goes over a curve, and obviously vehicles tend to be curved because they're aerodynamic, yeah. it starts going over a curve, you need a more expensive vinyl, um, often from a brand that you you may have heard of in the past. And you also need a specialist fitter to do that. And again, that's something that we would do. But as soon as you get into, ve- you know, if I said vehicle wrapping, where they you know cover the whole of the vehicle across all the curves and all the rest, and we do that, and we've done that for some really high-profile clients, and it looked amazing. But if you do that, it is expensive. The materials, if the job's being done properly, are not cheap. And the wrappers are skilled guys. And they're usually guys. There are a few girls who do it, but principally it's guys, I have to say. Um, and they're, they're, they're paying good money. And that is reflected in the price. I suppose it's any sign that they do is, or any wrapping that they do is, is an advert for them as well indirectly. So it's not in their interest to do it badly. And that's probably true of signs that fall. Like you'd, you'd, you'd notice a sign that had visibly fallen over or, you know, a vehicle that's got a wrap peeling off it then you more than you would probably one where where everything's fine so i can i can see the logic of them sick if they're advising you to spend more money then it is a reflection on them doing doing the job well as well absolutely and make sure they take the time to do it and taking time is crucial and the other thing i would also say here is that there is a degree of science involved in all of this because you are sticking an adhesive onto the side of a a vehicle, which is a bit of metal. And again, this is a little bit of GCSE chemistry. That thing's got to stick on. And it'll stick on better at a particular temperature. So, for example, one of the things that we do with our vehicle wraps, we're recording this in July, it's a little less of an issue, but still we tend to keep them in overnight for the first night. To let them adhere if it's in the winter then we are militant about it basically you will not get that vehicle back at four o'clock in the afternoon it will stay in overnight we will then qc it the next morning but it's had that first night because bear in mind a commercial vehicle how often do they go looked after undercover in their lives never so you- we've got to give it that help and the, and of course the gold standard on that one is we try and finish jobs on friday afternoons leave them in over the weekend and the customer can have them on a Monday. Would you run a vehicle post wrapping or does that temperature impact not have a bigger chain? Uh, does that not affect it as much? Because obviously if you're wrapping from the bonnet of a vehicle, then the temperature change, especially in winter from the engine, if, it's, if you're driving a long delivery shift, it's probably going to change significantly. Does that play into it at all or is that not, a, not an issue? You should be okay on the bonnet, but clearly we get asked to do the uh, uh, the radiator grill from time to time, and we say no for exactly that reason. But yes, you're 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 right. There is a temperature issue here, but equally, again, there is scientific development in these uh, uh, wrapping films, and there are some big name manufacturers who make them, and 
it is fair to say that if you bought a specialist wrapping film from Avery Denison or 3M, which are companies that you might you guys might have heard of, does that give you a degree of confidence then? Yes, it does. You should certainly be asking anybody what material they're using and they should tell you. I would say that from, from our point of view that we do use both of those brands. We also use Arlon and we also use a company called Hexis and we use a company called Oracle. And those are the big manufacturers of cast wrapping of vinyls. Now, there are one or two others as well, but I think I've, I've captured the big five there. It seems like every industry's got a big five or a big four somewhere, somewhere in there. So it's yeah. good to have those, have those names but out of the reference point you can throw in if to throw into the conversation. Sound like you know what you're talking about. Doing a vehicle fleet, then, and this is something that's thrown at people, isn't it? Oh, I've got 10 Citroen Blingos. Mm. And I suppose that if you were doing that, the first question you'd ask is what you want to achieve, again, from your marketing objective. Because if you just want to brand the vehicles so they are seen and so that there is a, a safety and security element of this, because very often for businesses that have vehicles that go out and deliver to houses, you want to show who your that your drivers are legit, if you see what I mean. And that can be done really quite simply and quite cheaply. If, however, you want to be noticed and you want to see this as a way of driving inquiries to your website, then you're going to need to go down a much uh, bolder route. And that's going to cost you considerably more money. And so when you, 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 you come to that, you've got to think about the capabilities of the people involved, which is what have they done before, basically. That, that's what it comes down to. Who are you using? What materials are you using? What environment are they working in? Again, the Microsoft Teams thing for sorting out the artwork is incredibly useful. And we did uh, the, the, uh, just a couple of months ago a fleet of 10 vehicles for a, uh, a quite a big grocery brand. And th that was a classic example of the use of that. And then at that point as well, I think you're legitimate in asking just to get a sample to make sure that your brand colors are hit hang on on the printer or the, the solid color vinyl that they use. And that's not a, an unreasonable thing to do. And it, again, in the past, we have tended to get the customer to come in and have a look at it. Uh, it nowadays, we more frequently send stuff out in the post to them so they can see it. The only thing you must do with color matches, and again, I see it doesn't happen all the time, is that you must always, when matching a color, and, I, and if I'm telling you to suck eggs, I do apologize here, you must go outside. <laughs> because if it's just in your office, then almost certainly the light is all over the place and uh, you you won't get an accurate comparison. So go, go outside and have a look at it. Yeah. Do you have a strong opinion on the, the amount of information that you put on? Because where, where I live, you get some that have just got the brand, which makes a lot of sense. Then sometimes you've got, this is our Twitter handle, this is our Instagram, this is find us on Google, this is our phone number, this is our mobile number. If I'm 
if a van's driving past me, I'm not going to have time to to write any of that down. But is that is that missing the point? Is it making it available? I suppose you've got the the, got the parked up time as well. How do you get that balance right between overloading people with information and just amen to that? Yes, you're absolutely right. right. And this is the biggest thing that we have because we still have a substantial part of our business that are builders and carpenters and electricians and plumbers who've got their new van and they come in and they want it doing and this is where what you say is absolutely correct and most of these plumbers and so on that they want far too much information on their vehicles and you keep saying well you've got a website you've got a facebook page all people need to do is take a picture of it put it on their phone and they'll find you on google and you can take it from there and they they, they still want this that and the other uh i i probably th think that you it's still in the world we live in unless you're a very specific brand a, a telephone number can be defended on these i mean i i, I don't think that i would ever dissuade somebody from doing that and you may want also to indicate if you cover a particular area or region. And you can do that with a telephone number, of course, by putting a local landline. So if you're in, if your business covers the Manchester area, the 0161 is actually really useful because that tells people you're a Manchester business. So what about the idea of putting having a QR code on the side of your vehicle? So if there's something you can just sort of scan it with a phone and that's got all your contact information. Did if you update, if you change your number, change your address, that's all still in there. Do you think that's something that's likely to take off or is that a completely ridiculous idea? No, it's not ridiculous at all. And I would say five years ago, 80 or 90% of the vans that we did had a QR code on them and still a substantial proportion do now. Uh, and I mean, and still people put their, their Facebook links on there. And frankly, why not? In the end, if they want it, it it's it's not the worst thing to do by any means. Um, but the QR code, yes. And the only thing that has superseded it is just the, the might of the first page of Google, which I'm sure is a whole suite of podcasts for you separate to that. <laughs> is that yeah. I think the general thing that the people do is they just take a picture of it on their phone, put it into their camera roll, and they say, "Oh, I need a whatever." There's the van, and that 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 the, the, we use a camera roll as an aid memoir, don't we? Yeah, I definitely do that. Yeah, and so therefore you got it on the camera roll. At that point, the vehicle graphic has done its job. Of course, what yeah, then? very difficult is that you've got to try as i'm sure you'll want to to put a a, a a value to that and find out where the initial inquiry came from and of course that gets lost because they then make a, a website inquiry which is registered within your crm as a website inquiry as it is for us but actually it came from the vehicle the website has just been the the tool that has made the final connection rather than the the actual thing that exposed your prospect to the brand for the first time 
Yeah, I suppose with my marketing automation hat on, that's, that's, a, that's a, a beautiful little way to me to put a sales pitch into the podcast, which I, I try not to shoehorn in, but I suppose you'd have, if you had a slightly different, or you had a specific page link on your van that isn't, isn't advertised in any other marketing that you, you could still capture that. So you, don't, you wouldn't necessarily lose it entirely if you had the, you know, if you had sort of signedexpress.co.uk forward slash contact, but then the main page on your site is forward slash contact us, then you would still be able to capture that. So there is still, you, you, yes. might, you might not lose it. Yes, we, uh, we, we do see that with specific phone numbers and specific web addresses. That, that, that certainly, I'm not saying that doesn't occur. Um, it, but what I'm trying to say is that this is just part of the general noise that you're making. In truth, most of the customers we do are the ones who are very much uh, sold on the idea of vehicles. Just make the point to me, look, you know, it's actually not a difficult decision to make because even if I'm spending two and a half thousand pounds per vehicle, which is right at the top end, okay, that would be a, a wrap on a Mercedes Sprinter or something like that. That's a big job. Uh, and they might say that sprinter is going to be out five days a week for 50 weeks a year. So that for 250 days a year, drive me around central London or whatever, whatever it is. It's a billboard that's out there for a thousand days. And that means that we are the cost of that billboard of £2,500 divided by a thousand is £2.50 a day. Yeah, I would simply say, if it wasn't earning its money back on that, that's a problem with our brand and our strategy rather than the delivery system. Of course, it's worth it. And I'm not even going to bother uh, with with, with a a, a rather spurious calculation that that really I'm not seeing the, the, the wood from the trees if I start doing that sort of thing. Yeah, fair enough. I think that's a really good, strong point to end on. End on end on the ROI. End on a number and on something that's powerful that marketers can take to CFOs and MDs, wherever else they need to sign off on things. They look, this is going to pay for itself on on this calculation. I do have one question before we wrap up, and it's probably the most important one in the whole podcast. Is it marketer or is it marketeer? <laughs> <laughs> um. I must admit, I have always gone down the the, the the marketeer route. I don't think it's possibly something I have quite as strong an opinion, however, as I do have on David Bowie, because it's definitely David Bowie and not David Bowie. That, 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 that <laughs> is what I would fall out over. I, I'm, I, I agree with you on both of those. I'm going to say I'll, do, yeah, I'll go that way on marketers and on David as well. Brilliant. I think that's a really good place to wrap it up. It's been a really interesting discussion, a, really, a dive into, as, as we said at the top, I think uh, an, an industry and a business and a sort of section of marketing that most people don't don't think too much about. So so thank you very much for sharing all of that with us. I mean, uh, if I can just say one thing, just say uh, purely on a self-serving fashion, but if you, you listen to this, my name is Mark Meadowcroft. Uh, my business is Signs Express. We're the franchise in Northampton. So if you go to signsexpress.co.uk forward slash Northampton and there's stuff here that you want to listen to or under no obligation whatsoever, even if you're the other end of the country, um, go onto the website, hit me up. I'll have a chat with you and I'll try 
and all of these sorts of things to find the solution that's right for you guys. And that might be Science Express, but there are occasions when it probably isn't. And we see lots of examples of moments when actually another company is going to do it better because there are all sorts of like marketing agencies and stuff like that. There are so many shapes and sizes, but I will, I'll be happy to guide you. And if it's something that I feel where we can have value to your business, obviously we would throw our hat in the ring, but more specifically, it's about getting you the outcome that your business is going to need. Fabulous. All right. I will. Right. You heard the guy. You heard Mark. Let him uh, get in touch with him and tap into this expertise that we've we've heard so much about on the podcast. All right. Um, and we'll leave it there. Thanks again, Mark. And bye for now. Thank you for joining us for another episode of That Marketing Podcast. You clearly have wonderful taste. We hope you found the content useful and and enjoyed it. We'd love you to subscribe wherever it is you're listening to us. Maybe leave us a review. If you can think of a topic that you, you'd like us to cover, or even if you fancy coming on the podcast and sharing your own experience on a particular topic, uh, you can reach us at marketingteam at spotler.co.uk. Thanks once again and happy marketing.